0: Uh, as we come today to ba- a time of baptism, I think it's important to answer this question because baptism signifies, and I know Pastor Jesse's going to talk a little bit more about it in a few minutes, but that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you have made a decision to publicly declare before everybody in the room and everybody who hears about it, and possibly uh, because a lot of what we do is online or on Facebook or something like that, the whole world will know that you're saying I'm a follower of Christ. But what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? The passage we just read talks a lot about that. It's that uh, one one of those accounts in Matthew chapter four where the idea of it is this, is that I am calling my first disciples to follow me. And in fact, as he was coming to them, he he made that statement, that famous statement that we've all heard before. We've heard sermons preached on it. And it was this, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And it's a great statement. Most of us have heard that, we've read that, we've thought about it. When I was a younger man, and this was a long time ago beginning ministry, when I was in starting out pastoring and church planting, those kind of things, and possibly even back when I was a, a child growing up here at this church and then at Fort Gatlin Alliance when it was planted. Um, by the way, there are a couple of people that actually can remember those days. They told me that as I was coming in this morning, so thank you. Thank you, Doris, for reminding me of that when I was a little one and some of you don't believe that i ever was a little one do you i know that to be the case or can't imagine it but for but for a moment i would like you to think that that what do you think of when you hear that where do you go and when i was a young man beginning and sensing a call to ministry the first thing i thought about was yeah fishers of men that's great being out there reaching the lost being on mission for jesus and maybe when you become a Christian, the idea of, I can now serve God, I can go out and do these things, and I can move forward and make an impact upon the world and change the people around me by bringing them into contact with Jesus. And by the way, that's all good. I mean, that's, if, if that's, you have to understand that's your purpose, to bring glory to His name, to spread the gospel around the world. That is your calling every follower of Christ, every disciple... Every believer has a call to make disciples. But now that I've lived a whole lot of years since then, I've become convinced that I may have overlooked the most important part, and God has had to teach me that. Unfortunately, it takes us a while to get there, and that's the follow me part. In fact, today I think a lot more about the follow me and a little bit less about the fishers of men, and here's the reason why. Because if I follow him, he will lead me to be a fisher of men, right? In fact, if you look at the verse closely, what you discover in this passage is he actually sets it up. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you, not you will make you, I will make you fishers of men. So being a disciple of Jesus Christ begins with the idea that it's following Jesus. And it's so simple, it's so simple that we think, okay, I got that, I can follow Jesus. Yet I would venture to say that most of us throughout our Christian lives struggle with what that fully means, to follow Jesus the idea of following jesus in that context of discipleship calling the first disciples it even says the heading in your bible is the idea certainly that of physical presence so they left their nets they left fishing they left even they left their father even and followed jesus that's a big deal it means they had to take a step they had to see jesus and follow him now some Uh, commentators think that they already had some familiarity with Jesus to know a little bit about who he was, to know that following him, but he also had an authority about him, a presence about him. We all will discover what that is. We just sang about it. And so they followed him. They went out with him. They were around him. And in that culture, the beauty of this is when you followed a teacher or a rabbi or a master, so to speak, you actually were living with them day to day. You were actually walking, because they walked everywhere, you had a whole lot of time, a whole lot of margin in your life to spend just listening and doing as that person said. And so they follow Jesus. And I think it's important to understand this. It attests to his authority, but there's, there's more that we discover what it means to follow him. It certainly includes obedience, Certainly, if you're going to follow a master, follow the rabbi, you're going to do what he tells you to do. In fact, that was the cultural Jewish understanding of having a rabbi that you followed, or a teacher, is that you're going to do what he says. You were willing to put your life under his leadership to do what he was asking you to do. And so, that's what they would do. All of his disciples, uh, you know, it's a change of direction. I'm going this direction, I was going that direction. I am following him, I was following me. Or I was following some other master, or uh, our culture, or our priorities, or, or this career choice, and all these other things, or other people. By the way, anything but following Jesus is following self. You understand that? If you're following anything else than Jesus, you are following something that you want over what he wants. And therefore, lordship of Jesus Christ is a part of following him and being a disciple. And so they were being asked, if you read, actually, if you, look at the, if you were to look at the verse prior in verse 17, it says, from time to time, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near." The kingdom of heaven is there. By the way, if there is a kingdom, there also is a what? King. Very, very good. You all are quick. And if there is a king, what do you do with the king? You follow him. He is in charge. He is Lord. So Jesus was preaching the kingdom, but he was also preaching as the king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm going to do what he says to do. And so that was the commitment. Now, they didn't always do it like we don't always do it. And we wander, and and that's part of the challenge. It's the essence, though, of knowing that He is Lord and I am His follower. I am submitting myself to Him. I am being asked and commanded to follow Him. There's also another dimension to following Him. Rabbis had followers, but it included proximity, presence, but proximity. You had to be close enough to see Him and hear Him. And and that's one of the challenges here, is following, but following, and here's the word that's key. I want you to remember this word, following close. And the question that we might want to begin to probe in our hearts and minds is, how close am I following Jesus? How near to him am I stay, saying? You see, it includes the example of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. And so the disciples at some point saw Jesus go off to pray. And he went off to pray in a quiet place. And we would see that throughout the Gospels that Jesus would do this often as he connected to his heavenly Father. Remember, when Jesus came in the flesh, he's true God and true man. But he expressed his divinity, he, he, he Kind of as it says in Philippians chapter 2, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped because he was equal with God, but he veiled it in human flesh and he taught us how to live as humans in a relationship with God. So the Holy Spirit filled him and so he needed to do and he was teaching us to do what we need to do. So he went off to pray. He comes back and what do the disciples ask him? They saw him praying, and so they said, teach us to pray. In other words, teach us to pray the way you pray. And so he taught them to pray. So it involved close enough to see, and close enough to understand, but there's something incomplete, like there's a principle that we overlook. And I think we settle for one and ignore the other. We settle for one of seeing the truth, And we forget about hearing the truth. And you're saying, what do you mean by that? Well, just kind of follow with me with the proximity metaphor, the closeness metaphor. You see, I think we live in a day where the temptation is to follow Jesus, but follow him from a distance. To allow space between us and him, but in not too much space, I can still see him before he rounds the corner, so to speak. So imagine you're a bunch of disciples following Jesus. And you're walking and you're following. He's the master. And as long as I keep him in sight, it's okay. I feel I kinda of can, but I have a distance enough that eh, I can do my own thing. And I think sometimes spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, we allow that space in our lives. And that temptation comes because we, we have this, this, um, this kind of this materialistic, anti-supernatural age that says that God doesn't still speak, so we allow distance, thinking He has only spoken and He doesn't still speak to us. He still, doesn't still direct us. He doesn't still lead us. And so we allow the distance, and then that's where we get in trouble. That's where we miss what he has for us every day, every moment, the directing of our lives. You see, we can observe the work of God. We can see the principles of God. We can apply the principles personally. We can even teach the principles to others. And the Bible gives us direction, and I'm not saying, uh, by the way, I believe in the authority of Scripture, but I believe in the way we use it sometimes, more like a textbook, instead of like a letter written to us from our Heavenly Father to tell us how how He views us, and how to live life, and how He still speaks through it. Allows us to follow with the propositional truth without the personal truth to operate in a life that I know the theology of God and I got my theology right. I believe this about Jesus and I believe this about the cross and I believe this about the resurrection and I believe this about where I, my sin and all those kind of things and I can fill in the blanks. I can pass the test. I know the truth. And by the way, that's foundational. We need to know the truth. We need to understand the truth. We need to follow the truth. You need to be in the Word of God regularly, daily. But you also need to understand that He still speaks to us through the truth in a personal way and with His voice in our hearts. We need to hear His voice, and to hear His voice, I must be close. And I'm not just talking about hearing preaching. I hope God speaks to you through the preaching and you're here getting things from it. You will because that's what God called us to do. And that's why I appreciate about your pastor is that he brings the message from the Word of God and he's to speak to the heart, not just propositional truth, but personal truth, applying it in your lives and encouraging us and exhorting us to follow. But there has to be a closeness beyond that personally. If you live just from Sunday to Sunday, the only thing you're getting in your intimacy with God is what happens on Sunday morning. You are not following close, you're following from a distance. Because God needs to speak into your heart. He needs to talk to you about your identity and about your particular issues. You have to be able to understand that being a follower of Christ is a relationship. And we ought to be the kind of people that hangs on every word that Jesus says. I want to hear everything He has for me, everything He has for my family, everything He has for my church everything he has for this community that we live in, everything I, as a district superintendent, everything he has for my district. It's really his district. But to hear, I must be close. I want to be able to uh, be there and see his countenance in a spiritual spe- spiritually speaking. I want to be close enough that, that I'm ready and willing to hear what he's saying in his word when i wake up in the morning and i i look open the scripture or when i look at my verse on U verse how how many of you have U verse on your phone come on just raise your hands admit it how many i have another bible app on your phone by the way you know that's okay to do that god technology is a good thing i mean after all they they built roads in the roman times so people could travel better you know how the gospel spread so much roman technology You know how the gospel can spread and and be in our hearts more? The technology we can use. Now, technology can be a bad thing too, we know that. But what if in the morning when you wake up and that verse comes up, the, the question is, oh, there's my verse. Okay, got it done. Check mark, move on. What do I got to do today? What if we stop for a moment and say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me for this day? What are you speaking? What are you directing? What are you preparing me for? What do I need to be alert to? What is this a warning? What is this an encouragement? That God is actually saying, "Oh, what might happen?" Do you think God can speak to you through your, the verse of the day on You Version, or the chapter of the day you read, or your day, or your year-long Bible reading? That He He's leading you through that. You think He's capable of that? Amen. But here's the point: we need to have that relationship, that time of silence and solitude. It's not a quick fix. It's a time of coming together and thinking on it. Jesus enters our doubts, he enters our fears, our failures, and he brings healing and restoring. He did that for Thomas. When Thomas had doubts, he met Thomas, and he said, see here. So Thomas the doubter he met, Peter the the denier, he met him, and in three statements restored him to leadership and to relationship and ministry. He will meet you where you are, he will give you courage, He he will deal with your fears, but you have to be close. You have to be coming to Him. When we read Scripture about how Jesus speaks to us, how God speaks to us, what we discover is this, that He speaks to us in the quiet moments. You remember Elijah, when he came, he didn't speak in the whirlwind, he didn't speak in the, uh, all the, the tumultuous thing going on, it was in the stillness, he whispers with a still small voice, it says, That's why it says in in Psalm 46.10, be what? Noisy. And no, it doesn't say that, does it? What does it say? Come on. Be still and know that I am God. What does it say when there was one one verse in Exodus, and I forget the reference, and you all probably know it, um, that it says, it's like, be still, I will fight for you. He was telling the Israelites, just stop. I will fight for you. For us, in this hectic world where the same technology that can be a useful tool can become a major distraction, that same thing you hold in your hand that you have your Bible on can also be the thing that you can't stop checking for everything on it. To stop for a moment and be still. The hectic life that we live is oftentimes running from this thing to that thing distract us from God seeing within and beginning to correct and transform our hearts and penetrate deeply what we need to hear and the disciples we need to be in Christ he whispers on prayer I think there's a reason why Jesus doesn't shout he whispers what happens when somebody whispers you know this You gotta pay attention. You gotta gotta lean in a little bit, right? I mean, the Psalms talks about Jesus, incline your ear to me. That doesn't mean you go, incline your ear to me, Jesus. Incline your ear to me. There's a reciprocal part. Incline your ear because I'm coming to you. I'm dependent upon you. I am leaning into this relationship. Are you leaning into this daily walk with Jesus? Are you, as a disciple, following close? Or are you following from a distance? Sometimes I think the way people view Scripture is like this. Some people follow God like following a treasure map. Left by an ancient pirate that left instructions but is distant and long since past. Along the path, dead men's bones. You know how the, old, the story, pirate stories are pointing. There's the, 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 the gnarly bones of a dead man pointing the path toward treasure. Ugh. Very, you know, bones. Yeah, it's no fun with that. But that is not what God intended. God never intended... You're, you're not just reading about dead men's bones. I mean, obviously, people, the, the guys who wrote Scripture died, but they, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's alive, right? You with me on that? God is alive and at work. So we follow, like a close friend, an intimate relationship with the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And it's a conversation that we do a whole lot of listening and a lot less talking yes we need to talk we need to pray we need to ask we need to seek we need to knock but we have to listen and expect and wait and depend you see it's still the word of god but more than just a, a book of words and good good sayings and quotable verses and uh, 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 foundational truth it's the continuous living message of life that we leave we follow and we obey and depend on and when we don't obey when we disobey he he's still our father calling us back in to listen closely instead of, instead of allowing sin to separate us are we cultivating the patterns and the habits of closeness are we cultivating regular times or is there distance? Ask yourself the question, am I following from a distance or am I following close? And if it is a distance, repent of that. Because you've got to understand, He wants you close. Jesus came for you to be close, not distant. Jesus died. That last song in Christ alone that we sing that, that explains the gospel and tells about what He's accomplished. He didn't just come to make you now saved and, and, and no longer lost. He came to make you close. So close, he pours out the Holy Spirit into your life to cultivate the intimacy with God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what he wants. So follow close. But the second thing is, and it goes just with that, listen well. <clears throat> And here's the problem. We get stuck. We get in a state of stuckness. Now, I know that's not a, probably an English word or uh, any word in any dictionary in any language, but some of us know what I'm you know what I'm talking about. That we see we need to hear the directional voice of God in the church today because we need to get out of stuckness. We need to get unstuck. Now well, when you say, what do you mean by that? As district superintendent, I go around and I see many of our churches are stuck in one way or another. They're stuck strategically. They're stuck missionally. They're trying new things. They're trying to get out of it, but some of them aren't even trying. And they're stuck or in conflict, and they can't seem to get out of conflict, or they're stuck in a nostalgic dream of another era longed for and long time has passed. Or just in our past successes, understanding that God wants to do a new thing. And sometimes we're stuck back there. Sometimes as Christians we're stuck. We're stuck in our spiritual journey or life itself. Maybe we're stuck in broken relationships and discouragement. But how do we get unstuck? How do we kind of disconnect the ball and chain from our lives? Jesus does not lead us, by the way, into more stuckness. He may lead us through the wilderness... He made it lead us as Jesus went out into the wilderness to fast and pray and hear from God. But He never leaves us there. He leads us through it. He does not lead us into more stuckness, but out of the doldrums of a windless sea into the fresh momentum of His Holy Spirit. He will lead you. He will guide you. Why should it surprise us that the Holy Spirit's voice is the voice that helps us seize opportunities but also avoids keeping us in a static state of stuckness? Why do we think because we have the canon of Scripture that He has stopped speaking to us? Why do we think just because now we've got this Bible and this book that for some it stays kind of dusty on the shelf... That He stopped directing our lives and caring for us and loving us into new things and opportunities to serve Him. Jesus illustrates this point really well, and, and, and actually it's in Luke. If you want to turn there, you can, chapter five, verses four and four through six, because it's, the, it's basically the same account calling the disciples. But it adds a little bit to the story. And without reading the whole thing, I'm just going to turn there briefly and just tell you the dimension that's added. It's when he had finished speaking, he, by the way, Jesus is in the boat. He said to Simon, it's not Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for, the, for a catch. And Simon answered, Simon, the expert fisherman, Simon, the guy who had been doing fishing all of his life, says this. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So what is he saying there? I know what I'm doing. You're a carpenter. I mean, you're a great teacher. Wow, this is cool. But I'm a fisherman, and I'm really tired. But the next phrase is an important phrase. Because then he says, after that he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now this is a practical example of what I'm talking about. Because you say so. It's not always how we feel. It's because what he says to us as he directs him and what happens we all know the story he lets down the nets the 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 catch is so amazing it begins to rip the nets they have to call more to come out and help them but we learn something here peter was stuck yes he was stuck he was frustrated he was discouraged he was tired he didn't want to fish anymore he was tired of fishing that day i've been doing we've been doing this all night long i can't blame peter for feeling that way but he does it he does what jesus says and it changed his life he does that and i think it's important for us to at first he just repents he says who's this in my boat And by the way, there's there's that sense of awe and wonder when God is leading us, this close, intimate relationship with the divine being who has the ability to tell you where the fish are, and all of a sudden you've caught more fish than you ever caught in one catch. That can be a little bit unnerving. And yet Jesus begins to say, get ready, Peter, because your life's going to be just like that. It's going to be amazing at times, and it's going to scare you in some ways. Don't be scared. I love you that's going to happen to us. I mean, if you really want to follow Jesus as a disciple, you've got to be willing to say, I'm going to hang on to this roller coaster ride because Jesus is going to take me places I've never been before. He's going to lead me. He's going to show me things. He's going to give me opportunities that I never even imagined to see both the truth and impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you better hang on because he is the creator of the universe. He is the Lord of glory. He is the King of Kings. And you're following Him. Isn't that exciting to think about who you follow? And that He wants you to follow close, but He wants you to listen well, so He listened well. And let's, Let's just quickly say, talk about this getting unstuck for a minute, how He leads us out of that. If you're stuck in a reoccurring loop of failure, spiritually speaking, and sin, Jesus wants to lead you out of that. He talks about providing a way of escape, leading us if we just stop to listen. Oftentimes when we get in that sin pattern loop, we stop listening because we don't want to. But at the same time, every time we fail, we feel much worse. And he wants to bring us out of that. He helps us get unstuck from our frustration and discouragement because of, our, uh, because of our circumstances, because he restores our perspective to understand there is more and he is with us in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the financial challenges. He is with us. And if we listen, he will lead us through it. Sometimes it's directly his voice speaking into our hearts through his word in that intimate relationship sometimes he speaks to his people and his church i remember a few years ago when i was pastoring the second church i pastored i was dealing with a little group of people a little pocket of people that were really really kind of resistant uh to the direction we were going as a church and god was moving and god was growing the church and we were just giving thanks and i was getting discouraged i was just i just it was discouraging and I, I said, I just don't, I'm not sure I can be here anymore. And I remember what one, one of the elders said to me, one of my friend named Doug He came up to me and he said this, Chuck. And this, he said this, you know 98% of the people in this congregation support you? You're allowing the 2% to totally poison your mind about the whole ministry here. 98 to 2. Who are you going to listen to? And he, by that exhortation to me as a brother in Christ, and by the way, that's why when the Holy Spirit speaks to you for someone else, you better share it with them, because God may be using you to lift them out and restore perspective. The voice they need to hear may come through you. Now there's ways of doing that, and there's the right way, and there's the wrong way. We don't have time for that today. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you the right way. But the point being is, It restored my perspective. Now, let me just say, since I'm the district superintendent, not your pastor, let me just say a little something about this. The 2% are always a lot more vocal than the 98%. And so let me just encourage you. I assume you're in the 98%. In fact, I I, I kind of assume there's 100% here in support of your pastor. Be vocal. Let him know because that's what happens sometimes to pastors the 98 percent stay silent and the two percent shout the loudest and we assume that he's not hearing them he's hearing us and we haven't said a word that was a little meddling there for you Uh, that's not about anything specific your pastor's never complained to me he's happy he's loving you he's leading forward this is just for you know 10 years from now when he runs into this you know <laughs> okay, let's move on here. So, anyway, it, it, that restores perspective. He helps us get unstuck from our wounds and our fears and the, the lies that we believed in our past, the self-talk sometimes that we say, "I'm stupid, I'm no good, I'm you know worthless," and things like that. Things we may have heard in our families in, of, of uh, origin. Maybe we've heard it in the school we attended. Maybe we just started believing it because somehow Satan got that word into our minds. And it's not true about you. God loves you. You belong to Him. And He wants to speak. He wants to come and heal that memory. He wants to heal and and replace the lies with truth. And He wants to speak into your heart. But until you open the Bible and wait upon Him and listen and watch and take, take your journal and take note of it, apply it deeply, meditate on it, allow Him to heal you, that gets you unstuck. He may want to get you unstuck from the stuckness and impacting people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think for a moment and correlate this. <clears throat> Jesus just calls them to be fishers of men. Okay? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then we also see what he does is he takes their vocation, fishing, and tells you, I'm gonna to have to for fish fish where i'm telling you to fish go out into the deep and we know another account he says go and do uh, cast a net on the other side of the boat because i know where the fish are i created fish i know about fishing you think you know most about fishing and eh, i know all about fishing i know where they are i see them so here's the deal later on when these guys are apostles wandering around spreading the gospel what do they need to know And you see it in the book of Acts. We don't have time to get into it. So the same God who said, the same Lord, head of the church, who said, fish here, not there, knows exactly where people who need the gospel are right now in this community. And we just need to be listening because he just gave us a beautiful illustration of how he leads his people into impact on a community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, this. What do you need to do to follow close and listen well? Number one, you have to believe that God wants wants us to follow close. You have to really believe that that's what he wants us to do. That he desires to pursue intimacy with us. That this is it. That this is his his reason for saving us. Is not just to be off in a corner saved positionally. He wants relationship. You gotta, that's got to be a conviction, that He wants you to come. Secondly, you have to believe that God still speaks through his, to us through His Word, but He also directs through His voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we're cultivating and we better be listening. And so as I discovered a few, uh, few months ago, when my neighbor called me and he said, can you uh, put my trash out on Tuesday when the trash comes? Here's my bag of trash. He said, why? I said, "Why? What's, what's the deal? He says, well, my sister just passed away and, and I'm going to her funeral uh, up north and my wife and I are leaving. And, and as I was standing there at 9 o'clock in the driveway of their house, uh, out in front of his house, I said, can I just pray for you for a minute? And he said, yes. And there were tears in his eyes. I prayed for him. Prayed for him in his travels. Prayed for his time with family prayed for their suffering that jesus would be present with them in a very profound way you say well chuck that's what you do you're you've been a pastor you do that for a living you're the district superintendent no i'm a christian i'm a follower of christ just like you don't you think you can do just what i just said you can do it imagine that happening a hundred times over and over again because you the body of christ listened to the voice and acted upon it and took the risk by the way when he came back to me and i gave him his keys back to his house he said by the way i want you to know something chuck i've not come to church with you because i've been invited him to church but he said this and he he's appreciated this he says i do believe in jesus he's like i want you to know you've been trying to get me to church but i do believe in jesus and the, the fact that he would say that to me made that prayer and responding to that prayer that much more important to me. Imagine, how many relationships do we have just to listen? So I have to do that. Thirdly, I have to make space to listen personally with open Bible and a journal and time to listen. You say, oh, I don't journal very well. That's okay. Just open your Bible and and meditate and think about it. But save it somehow as he's speaking to you so that you respond It means I have to become more comfortable with silence in my prayer than constantly talking in my prayer. It means I really, as I read the Word, I need to look for Him speaking. And even when I'm not reading, having read it, that I walk through the day within the context that He is speaking to me throughout the day. Fourthly, it also means we need to make time to listen corporately whether it's in our small groups as we are in the Word of God, whether it means our times of prayer on Wednesday as we lead and as we gather, and even as we gather to worship. As I was getting ready to come up here, we were singing that last song, and and that phrase, and I don't know if I can get it right, but I'll try. I've sung the song so many times I should know it, but it says, from uh, life's first cry till final breath, by the way, that's when you're born and when you die, right? You got that? We just don't sing that. From when I was born and when I die, We don't want to keep, but we say it in really nice words, but from life's first cry till final breath, Jesus, what does it say? Commands my destiny. That's this. And we better be listening between those two events, Right? And so he brings us out of stuckness to him. And we follow him and his voice and and, and churches get out of being stuck. And there's movement and there's impact. Lives are changed. Communities are transformed. People are drawn to gather. And so we do that. What does it mean to be a disciple? It's just simple. So simple. It's four words. Follow close, listen well. Follow close, listen well. That's all. You say, well, yeah, there's a lot more to that. <laughs> yeah, you just took that probably too long to tell, tell you about this, but follow close, Jesus. Listen well to his voice. Do you believe God's still speaking to you today? You see, do you believe he can lead you out of this place? I don't know where you're stuck but I just want to guess for you as well as for me that I get stuck. And we all get stuck. Would you yield that stuckness to him? Would you commit to following him and listening well and let him lead you out of it? Amen?